You are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast. The podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. My name is Colin Austin. (laughs) And today on the show, we have Satchel Ray, an amazing artist, but most of you probably know him as the owner of Satchel's Pizza. Satchel, what is up, man? Hey, good morning. How did I do on bringing it down? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Thanks. It's nice to... uh, to not get screamed at when I'm first thing into my podcast. You guys, everybody, everybody's listening. You guys, it's funny because when uh, I've been going back and forth with Satchel trying to get, like, one, I'm like, dude, we got to get you on the show and and getting everything figured out to get him here. He was like, you know, it'd be great as if, you know, I brought it up a notch and you bring it down a notch and we'd be right there. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. So I, I'm like, I, I can appreciate that. So I, I'm not going to promise to ever do that for anybody else again. Only you. <laughs> You, my friend, only the you, regular listeners will appreciate the change. <laughs> so, well, yeah, it, was, it was a fun challenge for me, and, and Satchel's one. Like, he is one of the only people who has pointed out the fact that I have I never introduced myself on the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big podcast listener of podcasts. Like, I probably have I don't know twenty or thirty or forty podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis. So. I listen to so many podcasts, and that's just a regular staple. Usually, you know who you're, who it <laughs> you is, who it is that's speaking, right? Yeah. So, I mean, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Colin Austin. <laughs> so, there you go. I'm going to try to work that in from now on. Well, thanks for pointing that out. You know what's kind of cool about this episode is that it's airing on April 22nd, which is Earth Day. Uh huh. That's cool. So, happy Earth Day to everybody who's listening today. Pretty excited. It's also episode 50. We are coming up on the one year anniversary very soon. Love it. So, well, you know, you know our format, like what we want to get into. But before before we get into the story and start diving in a little bit, I want to introduce my spectacular co-host for the day, Woo-hoo. Meg Bollard. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You guys, Meg has been one of our incredible part time team members at Repaint the Wall and doing all sorts of stuff. You've kind of yeah. been all over the place, but doing a lot of content, all over the place. a lot I've of content creation. For... Almost a year. The summer will be a year. And now we have graduation upon us. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So are you like, are you sad about it? Are you, you I mean, you're like one of the few people that's sad about it. I mean, I'm sad because I've had such a great time um, at UF and leaving makes me sad and being away from my friends and possibly moving somewhere else. But um, I'm starting to slowly accept it and like go less into denial. Um, because <laughs> I mean, I think about like moving back with my mom in um, Raleigh, and I miss her a lot, and it's just slowly being slightly okay. But I am gonna cry a lot. And I'm still very <laughs> sad, and I will always be very sad about it. So, do you already have things lined up, ready to go? No, I don't. But I'm working on it. Yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that you've been doing a lot with Dance Marathon. Yes. So by the time this airs, Dance Marathon will be well over. Yes. But but like this right now, we're recording, I don't even know what day it is, March 26th. So we have Dance Marathons actually coming up this weekend. I mean, mm-hmm. last year they killed it, right? Like yeah, it was so like $3 million or last something? Last year we raised over $3 million, which was the first time we raised over $3 million. Um, the year before we raised about $2.7 million. Um, we're actually the second largest dance marathon there is and the first largest um, student-run philanthropy in the Southeast. So we're actually 
huge. Um, but I'm also involved in other things. Like um, I used to be a panhellenic counselor with um, uh, UF sororities and just like UF in general. Huge Gator fan. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. What did you major in? Advertising. Advertising. Cool. I like well, it. Con- congrats. I'm one of the few congrats people. Congrats on graduating. Thank you. I'm one of the few people who has never changed their major. So, congrats to me. <laughs> most <laughs> for most people do. It. Uh, yeah. That's funny. Most people do. Well, show, pick up your cup there too. So we got these new we got these new mugs in. Shout out on the podcast mugs. Check that out. Show that to the camera, so we can see that right there. What? Scared to spill it. Wow. Oh. Yeah, I noticed these when Pod- I came in. This is for Pod- people who like podcast. to drink a lot of coffee. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Big, well, we can we can, we can keep refilling it and get that get your uh, caffeination up so that way we're like. <clears throat> I don't usually drink caffeine, I know, so I, know, I got I half a cup and yeah. <laughs> just trying to take it easy. Trying to bring it up, man. I mean, bring it up. I mean, not take it easy. Yeah, she's trying to bring it up for me. I feel so special that you're trying to like bring it up for me and like get pumped, get pumped up for a podcast at eight o'clock in the morning. It's already hard enough to do. So, but well, cool. Well, we're gonna get into it in a minute. But I also want to remind everybody about our sponsorship from Rap Spot sponsor because we're starting. We're getting close to being wrapping this thing up. So here's what's gonna happen. The last day to sign up to win this vehicle wrap is May 13th, and then we're gonna give it away on Friday, May 17th. Right, Elias? Somebody? Uh, confirmation? Yeah. Confirmation. In the are room. you going to yeah. do a drawing or are you going to pick? Yeah, I think we're going to, no, no, we're definitely going to draw. It'll be random. random. Uh, however it is, it'll be random. I don't know if I just want to like pull it out of a hat. Like I, I typically like to, you know, <clears throat> do something a little bit more hyped up. Yeah. But, but I haven't quite figured that out, but it'll be a completely random drawing. So, so it, reminder, tell your friends, tell everybody, you can go to Joe, you can go to whoagnv.com, click giveaway, and then just register to win. And and that reminds me, there was a little piece on the forum that said, hey, if you if you go like follow me on Instagram, which is at Colin Austin, if you follow the podcast on Instagram, which is at WoGNV, if you follow my YouTube channel, ColinAustin.tv, if you follow, what else was there? There was like, oh, the podcast on Facebook. There was like four or five, six different things that you had to do, and if you did that, I said I'd give you a shout out on the podcast. And I know that you guys didn't think I would go back and look, but I did. So I have a handful of shout outs. These are the only people that actually did, and actually I don't even think we had anybody do all of it. So I'm kind of being a little bit nice here because I think we had, most of these people did like five of the six things. But some of, and some of them are kind of hard to like track. But anyway, so here are my podcast shout outs for you guys coming and following all of our stuff. I really appreciate it. Angela Rennick of Avia Events, Brandon West, my boy over at Fos Creative, Craig Morrison from Live More Financial Life Strategies, Dan Diaz of We Foos Human Foosball. Have you ever done that? The human, human foosball. foosball. I've seen it from a distance, but never actually done it. Oh my gosh, it's, <laughs> it's so wild. much fun. Jared Musson of Swamp Fitness. What up, man? Pablo Casam. Pablo Casalimas. I know how to say your name, bro. I'm sorry. Root of Rudex. Stacia Madden. Bobby White of Basketball Cop Foundation. We're gonna have him on the podcast soon. I think it may, maybe, or like I don't know. But Bobby White, Basketball Cop Foundation. Jasmine Broadhead of of Allied Copiera. How do you say Copiera? Is that right? I, I don't Copiera. know. Yeah, I can't see the Capoeira. word. Capoeira? Yeah, yeah, you say it. <laughs> Capoeira? I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Okay, Lee Gainesville. I'm sorry, I don't even know how to say that word, but like, <laughs> I'm going to get beat up now. Um, Chuck Ellis, and it, and it, it, there wasn't like a name on it. I think he was working or is working at Fracture, but like Chuck, um, I see 
there wasn't a business name on here, but Bennett Latimer of Sparkle Life, Jason Hurst of Maple Street Biscuit Company, Lexi Bryant, um, who would be donating it to WeFoos, uh, Mary Wilson of Spa Royale Day Spa, what up, Mary? John Dar of Dar Shackow Insurance Agency, what up, John? Maria Elize, yeah, girl, what up? Thank you, of Unbox Packages. <laughs> and Brad Gamble of The Selling Factory, and then Chris Marhefka of B3 Gym and Eat the 80. You guys, thank you for all your support and for following us on all of our stuff, and you guys are awesome. And those are my shout-outs. I promised I'd do them, and I did them, baby. So thank you. Good job. I know, man. Good job. I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a roll. I know, I feel, like, really bad for the names. Kept waiting. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I just don't know how to talk. <laughs> I like, have that problem quite often too. It's like, it's like let me uh, be, let me start a podcast where I don't know how to speak words. Um, <laughs> anyway, well, I'm so excited to get into this, man, and thank you, thank you for being here. You know, I like to kind of get into the origin story a little bit in here because I know, you know, one thing that fascinates me about what you do, and, and I'm gonna let you, then I'm gonna let you tell your story. Um, but I, I'm really fascinated by the fact that Satchel's is like your avenue to being able to do your art and that you're an artist first. And I love that. So I really can't wait to dive into this. But I'm going to let you take us back as far as you want to go to the early <laughs> days and then build us up. All right. Right. OK. Well, um, in high school, uh, grew up in the suburbs of Jacksonville, I was born in Gainesville, but grew up in Jacksonville. And uh like any like any kid in high school wanted some money and got a job uh, at the local uh, Italian restaurant guy opened an Italian restaurant uh, just down the street and it was uh, an Italian immigrant couple they had gone from Italy to Detroit and opened some restaurants with the family and then moved to Jacksonville so I was there for the opening of their restaurant and uh, started washing dishes enjoyed that and then Next thing you know, I'm making subs, and before long, I'm making pizza. And right away, I was just loving making pizza. I'm spinning pizzas. He had a 32-inch party pizza. And so right away, I learned to at 16 to spin this huge 32-inch pizza. And for me, it was, it was just, it was great fun. I loved everything about it. I loved eating pizza every day, and uh, I loved the hustle and bustle. I loved making money. And... Um, and then I, at home I would make art, and so there's always this uh, making. I had this little Honda, and I would um, paint it every week a different color, and people at school would would ride on it, and I was making my making some money, and and I had bought a car from from the from the restaurant job, and so um, I went to UF for a couple years after high school, and was like, you know, I'm taking some art classes, but sitting really for me, so I I decided to. Uh, to, to go back to Jacksonville and work with Bruno again, who was opening another restaurant. This time he was opening like a fancy dinner restaurant. And so I put on a bow tie and, and I, instead of in the kitchen, I was in the front of house. And I really enjoyed the customers and we got a lot of regular customers and that was fun. And then I was like, you know, okay, um, I'd like to, um, I think I just wanna to go to art school maybe. So I, I decided to switch up to Atlanta College of Art. And I went up there for a semester to do art and I realized pretty much right away, like, what do you do with an art degree, right? You know, I was like, I guess you can be a teacher. I don't really want to do that. I just want to be an artist. So that was it. I just dropped out of school and I was like, I'm just going to be an artist. Um, while I was in Atlanta, I was working at a pizza joint because I knew how to make pizza. And I noticed that the guy that was running the place, uh, it wasn't his place. He was running it. He was 19. 
I'll never forget because he had a tattoo of like a razor blade with blood coming down on his neck. <laughs> and and, and there's a line out the door and they just did pizza and salad and calzone. It was real simple. And I thought, man, if he can do this, I can do this. Like, you know, this is, this is what I want to do. I know how to make pizza and it'll be a chance for me, me to be able to make art. And so I came back to Jacksonville and uh, started trying to talk to Bruno, like, hey, let's go open a pizza place. I went to UF. They don't have really, I'm not really crazy about the pizza. And so he was, uh, he was like, well, why don't you run one of my restaurants for a while? And I was like, I don't really want, want to run one of your restaurants. I want to have my own place. I want to do it in Gainesville. So he said, let's drive over. So we drove over to Gainesville. We ate at Leonardo's. And uh, it was funny because Steve Solomon's the owner over there. And I remember with Bruno, me and Bruno were there trying out the pizza and checking out the town. And, and Steve came over to talk to us. He goes, hey, guys, what you doing? And I'm like, I'm looking to open a pizza place. And he goes, no, not a good place for this isn't a good town for a pizza place. You know, <laughs> you really don't want to do that. And, and, and it was just funny because I had never met the guy. And that was my first meeting while I was scouting out the town to open a pizza place. So, um Bruno ultimately decided that he didn't really want to, you know, have a, me open a pizza place an hour and a half away from where he was, even though we had worked with him for a few years at that point. But an old girlfriend's um, father said, hey, I've got this little strip mall property in Fruit Cove, Florida, which was outside of Jacksonville. And uh, if you want to, you can open your pizza place there. So I was thinking and I said, well, this is a good opportunity. So I we did it. I was 19. I was uh, 20 at the time. And we put together the from scratch. I you know, knew what we needed and put together this tiny little pizza place. And I called it Pizza Blue. And uh, I had blues music every week. And uh, it was about 15 seats. And, and um, we were out in the middle of nowhere. And pretty quickly, we got real busy and people loved the pizza. And I was when you walked in, I was spinning pizza right there. And it was all open kitchen. And um, I had uh, closed pens where I'd put the tickets and slide them across. And there's just a few of us working there, and it, and it did really well. But ab- about a year later, things it was just hard with the owners. The owners had their business next door, and they wanted like a Domino's, and I wanted like a satchel. So if I put stickers on the hood, they're like, oh, we don't like those stickers. Or if I have my friends with long hair, they're like, your friends have to cut their hair. Okay, they actually were like, you can't have long hair. Um, I'm like unshaven for a couple days. At one point, they kind of like, really threw me over the edge like you need to shave every day i'm like you guys are crazy you know like i just want to um have a pizza place we're doing good and so finally i was like you know forget this i'm working you know all the time um they had said they'd split the profit with me but i didn't realize at that time it was after they had gotten paid back which was going to be another eight months or something and i said just forget it and so i i sold my little portion of it and uh, went traveling uh, cross country with a friend and in my travels, we met people from Germany and met people from Switzerland and uh, went all the way to California, ended up going into Mexico, later um, traveled to um, Europe and saw that uh, girl that I met from Germany and Switzerland and saw the guy I'd met from Switzerland. And, and so for the next 10 years, just a lot of traveling, working at restaurants, washing dishes, making pizza and things of that nature, making art. And uh, I still wanted to open that pizza place in Gainesville that I had originally wanted to do. So um, mostly living in Gainesville, would, and I would save money, go travel. Live in Gainesville, save money, go travel. And uh, eventually met my wife here in Gainesville um, when I was uh, 30. And, uh, and we inherited my grandparents' house. And I had a little bit of, um, 
I had a little bit of equity, you know, because we own this house now. So they're like, we can, I said, I really want to do this pizza place. I've always wanted to do it. And so my wife was like, well, you know, like, let's do the numbers. I'm like, hey, let's, let's not do the numbers. You know, let's just do it. You know? <laughs> and uh, so we went out to dinner one night. We decided I need to make like $300 a day to pay the bills. And so we borrowed the money. We borrowed $30,000 at that point and on, on the house that we had inherited and opened. And I was looking for a place. And that was the only place I could really afford was out there where Satchel's is now. And so I looked around. I had, I had looked at... Um, where the reggae shack is, it used to be something called Yo Way Subs. And I had looked at that location. Uh, uh, the place where Gumby's used to be turned into Gyro Plus. I had looked at that location and Gyro Plus had just rented it. And so I was trying to find the right spot. Uh, the, the Doug's Dairy Twirl was the spot I liked and uh, it wasn't available. And then uh, the guy at Yo Way Subs actually told me about the place I'm at now. He said, there is a place out on 23rd that the guy's trying to sell. And I drove out there and when I saw it in the sights, in my sights, I'm like, that's the place. That's it. That's going to be it. Because it was freestanding, which I liked. It had its own parking lot. And what I wanted to do was do pizza and beer. And There was actually another place downtown. It used to be Cafe Espresso, which people called Cafe Depresso back in the day. <laughs> and uh, they had a little window where you could sell pizza out of. And, and it was... Um, and so I, I seriously considered that place, too, because I could be downtown in the middle of everything, or I could be out on the outskirts. And the guy downtown wanted $10,000, and it was all set up. It had a, ovens, and um, it had everything you need, the dough mixer, ready to go. And the guy out uh, where I'm at now, it was $15,000 for the business, and he had everything he needed. So I was trying to decide, like, downtown or out here. And I decided, you know, I think it's better to be out here where I have parking and I can... I can actually, you know, dig in and maybe buy this property at some point. And so that's how it happened. What year was, was that? That was 2003. Okay, so 2003. I mean, so what's it, what's it feel like now? I mean, your place has become iconic in Gainesville. I know, like, I know you're going to be super humble and not look <laughs> at it like that, but it's become iconic. It's like one of those places where when somebody is even thinking about visiting Gainesville, Florida, that they're going to go to. How does that make you feel, man? That's awesome. Well, it's good. Yeah, it's it's good. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't really ever in the master plan. I mean, <laughs> right. you know, uh, I, I had heard that if I didn't have uh, over five employees, I'd need um workers comp so i thought maybe i can keep this below five employees you know? <laughs> uh keep it simple um so the plan was just you know i can i can have this little business i can make art uh i do paintings so this will be a place i can show my paintings every year uh previously i'd worked at uh, leonardo 706 for five years washing dishes and i would have a show there every year of my paintings and when i say a show it's like for me it's not like oh i have these paintings and i show them every year i do new paintings every year and i show those paintings one time and i move on and do another set of paintings. And so that's really important to me. So one of the big drivers was like, this is a place where I can show my paintings and I can, I can do some artwork. I like, um, I like concrete a lot. I like mixing up concrete and pouring it. And so I always wanted to just pour sculptures in the yard and stick junk in them. And my wife was like, no, well, you know, <laughs> you're not gonna pour concrete in the yard. And so the restaurant gave me a place where I could do things like that. We have the Fountain of Junk. We have other little concrete sculptures I make. And this was a place where I could get crazy with all these things I wanted to do. And, and I think um, there's scooter rims in there. 
Yeah, there's uh, yeah, and uh, I'm so proud of that. But you know, it, it, it grew, it grew organically, it grew naturally over time. It kept growing and growing and growing. And it's for me, it's hard. Like my mom was a first grade teacher, and she was really good at teaching the kids to do art. And she, and so she would have these blank pieces of paper, and she said, "We're going to all do self portraits today." And the first thing I want you to do is I want you to draw the think about the shape of your head, you know, and I want you to draw the shape of your head as big as the paper, take up the whole paper, because I think kids generally draw really small in the middle of the paper. So she kind of guided them, you know, along this path and these drawings that they did because they started big and she kept them. She talked about every step of the way. They were absolutely beautiful. And then they would do bulletin boards in the hallways and you know, her bulletin boards blew away all the other bulletin boards of the other teachers. And so I, my thing is always like to fill up the paper. And so for me, the paper is the property we're on. Actually, the problem is I always kind of pushed out on the property to like each side. Like I would like encroach on this side, encroach on this side, encroach on this side. But I just wanted to do as much as we could with what we had. My, my thing was, I don't need it to be bigger than this this is big enough but i do want to make sure that i'm using every part of what we have well in doing so it's become quite overwhelming i mean i'm a little bit i'm in a little over my head to be honest because well, i have mean? well i have 50 employees I have a, you know i have a huge payroll i have um you know one, two, three, four. I think there's seven air conditioners. You know, there's like 13 refrigerators. Uh, there's just so much maintenance. There's so much um, employees. There's, there's. We, I mean, at this point, when you have 50 employees, you have to have a dress code. You have to have a you know policy packet. You need to have a new hire packet. You need to know a server training manual. Like, there's all this stuff that you have to do to make your business run efficiently. It's not just a little mom and pop anymore. Come to work and. You know, let's let's wait tables. So, and did that bother you? It doesn't bother me because I like a challenge. I like to problem solve, but it's not as fun as making a stained glass window, right? Or doing so, a painting or, or making a sculpture. And so, there's times when I I just need to make art, and I kind of I don't do as much, uh, you know, uh, owning CEOing of the restaurant. What do you call it? Like yeah, you know, yeah. running the restaurant as I should because I'm. I'm making art or I'm hanging out with my family. And then there's other times when I realize, okay, I have to get into this. I have to make it work and I have to get in here and and do all this stuff that I don't necessarily like. And what I try to do is hire people to do these things and delegate these jobs. And and that's really been the the secret to my success. Has that allowed you to focus more time on your art? Yeah, because I've hired all these people, a general manager, an office manager, uh, a prep manager, you know, there's so many managers and there's so many people who run so many different parts of the job. And if it weren't for, and there, and it's a great team, you know, we, we've put together a great, great team. And so by doing that, um, it's really freed me up a lot. And how many people work at one time? You say, yeah, on a Friday, on like on a Saturday night, we might have 22, 23 people there. Okay. Yeah. And so we have to have a whole separate parking lot for the employees. When people ask you to describe your place, how do you describe it? Uh, um, <laughs> I haven't thought about that. I mean. That's why I asked it. Cause I, I mean, I know how, you know, 
I'm very interested in like people's perspectives of things, but yeah. I would love to. Well, hear I mean, you. I like to I like to think that we built the thing around uh, the, the the core product is our food that I, I think is really good, the pizza and salad. So I say we have really good pizza and a, and a very popular salad, it's and incredible. we do and we do live music and we have lots of art, and so we try to make an interactive experience where you get to all your senses get to be engaged. And so I, I, that's what I really want is for people to come in as like um, an experience. You know, they're going to engage with their senses. They're going to smell, see, touch, taste, feel. They're going to get all of that when they come in. And and so I always try to uh, if I'm if I'm telling somebody about it, I I try to um, stress the fact that you know we're going to have local beer, lo- local music, local art, and uh, you, there's a lot to see and do. Yeah, it's something that we harp on all the time here. Like our number one core value is to create and recreate the ultimate customer experience. So that's why I asked because I'm like I'm so fascinated by these businesses that really create these unique experiences. Because because I mean in business we all know that the best the best form of advertising marketing is word of mouth. And when you have such a great customer experience, it's only going to fuel that word of mouth. And yeah. you guys do an incredible job of that. I mean, every, even from like the first time that I got to eat my pizza in the van, yeah. like I was so excited. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just the van <laughs> with a table in it, you know, like, I mean, but that's almost like checking something off your Gainesville bucket list in a way. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, and that's well, cool. But, well, yeah, but you know what I really want to do is is foster those uh, return. You know, those regulars. Yeah, they, we have plenty of them. They come every week. Some of them come twice a week. Sure. I mean, it's great to be like, hey, we went there, we did that. You know, but it's also what we really want is is to kind of be the place where you know it's your. This is my neighborhood pizza place. This is my my regular spot where I go. It's not just for tourists. I no, mean, we no, get that a lot. We get a lot of traveling people and tourists and they're they're going on I-75 and they look up somewhere to eat and then they see us and they they pull in and I and I talk to these customers a lot but but we really you know we pay the bills by those regular those regular people coming in every day of course it's just awesome to have both yeah (laughs) you know if you get get that and then you are the place for the tourists too I just I think it's cool and I I think that your experience has so much to do with that I mean because you guys even do like custom sodas and stuff right Right. And so that was something early on. We went to all this trouble. I mean, I spent so long trying to find the bacon I wanted for the pizza and uh, so long going through every steak that they made for the steak at Calzone. And we'd we'd spend all this time with every single item trying to make sure it was going to be the right item. I mean, for these salads, we have almonds, sunflower seeds. Have you had the salad? Yeah, have oh my you gosh, had it's make? incredible. Have you had our salad? Okay. I haven't. We have uh, apples, almonds, sunflower seeds, uh, pecans. And so we had to go to different places. You know, we have to go to Ward's to get one thing. We go to Sam's to get another thing. We get some from our distributor. And so we go to all this trouble, and then we serve you, you know, a Diet Coke with aspartame or, you know, a, a Pepsi with, with, uh, corn syrup in it and so early on I was like you know why don't they just make something with real sugar that's real simple you know like why does it have to be and then and then these Coke and Pepsi even through the recession their prices go up regularly you know it's like once a year our prices are going to go up three percent then for some reason it was like every 10 months because you don't notice that it's not every year now it's every 10 months the prices are going up and they're they're really not providing you much they're not always providing you the value and the service that you need. So I would just wished I knew how to do it. And eventually I, I went, you know, that was in 
I really wanted, I wrote about it on the back of a menu in 2005. And I think it was about 10 years later when I finally was freed up, had some free time. I'm like, you know, it's just soda. What can it be? Well, it, it turned out it was one of the most difficult things that I did over there. And so I turned my home into like a little lab and, and figured out like, how do you get the flavor of Coke? How do you get a flow, flavor of root beer? How do you get these flavors into a syrup that then you can put through a soda machine? And even when you get the syrup flavors, then you have to learn the fountain machine because you don't have time to pour each drink separately and mix it when you're serving that many drinks. You need a fountain machine. So it became a, a very long process and but it's unique you know it's something different and that to me is like it's much more fun for me to spend tons of money and time in developing our own sodas than to just go open another restaurant i mean i feel like it's artistic in a way i mean it's just i mean i like understand it's not art but like i mean it makes it makes sense to me it's part of it's part of the bigger picture it's part of it's another (laughs) part of the whole sculpture or the whole you know, interaction. And um, I mean, for me, the funnest part is being able to decide um, the branding of the the names like Lola Cola, um, (laughs) Ruby Root Beer, uh, Ginny Ginger Ale. So this to me, I want to make shirts for our brands, you know, so the branding to me is fun and coming up with names for these things. And I mean, actually, I think it could be a whole nother business. If, If somebody out there wants to come help me uh, brand this soda business and because uh, what'll happen I mean with the soda business like that if, if 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 we had the time and money to put it into a warehouse and and actually go into Gainesville and say hey we've got another option and you could you know sell it locally and and and, and civilization and you know some of the these other restaurants would 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 get on board it wouldn't take long before you could be a regional brand and it wouldn't take long before Coke and Pepsi's like hey we want to buy this brand yeah. for five million dollars you know because you're taking our market share and you've got something we want and so i know that pepsi recently bought a soda brand i can't remember the name of it but they do real sugar soda and they bought that brand and incorporated it into theirs so i mean i think that some of these ideas when i think of these ideas i think of them like this could be huge i mean i'm not going to do it yeah. but there's it's what's to say that somebody didn't come along someday and says hey let's turn that into something bigger I mean, I feel like you have all this spare time on your hands. You could totally take it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I have about a thousand projects in any time that I want to do, and uh, I have to I have to prioritize. It's always about prioritizing. Yeah, it's cool to see things like that really contribute to that experience, and and like it's one small piece of it. You know, what I yeah, mean? it's the just entire, one it's little like, thing. Yeah. That's actually a really big piece. Uh, I mean, it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort, and it was really hard to make happen. But in the end, the customer sees it as one small piece. I mean, we do little flights of soda, and I cut out little paddles and drilled little holes and bought little glasses and painted <coughs> on each one what what uh, what soda it is. And so people are used to getting a flight of beer all the time. So to get a flight of sodas is just cute. You know, it's just something different. Yeah. And the, I want to be able to think about everything you see and experience when you're there from the soda to the walkway that you walk on to the windows you look through to the music you hear i mean the music isn't random either you know every single part of it should have should be thought out for me it's like an an art installation you know uh as an artist you can go into these these installation environments in in a in a museum and you're immersed in the art and it makes you think about this and that and all that's well and good but i like art for the people like you're just going out to eat and you're getting immersed in my installation you know and and that's ever changing and evolving so 
for me, that's like super exciting because what happens is when the lights are just right, like I, I use a yellow light a lot, the bug light's my favorite. And so if you go there, you'll notice bug lights everywhere. Or you wouldn't notice because you just see this yellow glow everywhere. And so to me, when you have this yellow glow and you have the music at the right level and the food's good and the music's right, you can really create the atmosphere for people to be able to have a good time and to like enjoy their company and celebrate the birthday or whatever they're doing. And so that stuff doesn't just, this just, I don't think it's always random. I think it takes a lot of thought. You notice it with the top. If you go in the top downtown, the lighting is just perfect. They have the lighting perfect in there. And Scott is really good about figuring out like the lighting. You just don't even notice it, but it's all around in little ways. And so that's really hard to pull off. In most places you go to you go to plenty of places and it's just lit up bright and you're not getting the ambiance when you do that. You're not getting any sort of like a, you know, a feeling. Yeah. The atmosphere, man. The atmosphere. It's awesome. It's you definitely have that atmosphere. And like in and then there's you have like this whole branding element too yeah i mean like you see the bumper stickers all yeah. over town <laughs> that was a, that was like, a lucky thing right there you know because in the beginning i just made a sticker said satchel's pizza and i put it out and um and then later i thought oh let me you know let me do like people liked them let me make another sticker and then but it was like no time at all and the stickers just took off and the hard thing in the beginning was I would draw these stickers and I I, kind of like it to look like you know I got some seventh grader in the back that's drawing them you know with a sharpie marker (laughs) and um and sent it to the printer and and they actually tried to put it into a regular font and change it for me. I'm like, no, no, no. It's supposed to look like that. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, no, it's supposed to look like that. Okay. And uh, so, you know. Were you like, satchel mouth? (laughs) (laughs) I'm always trying to come up with with stuff, man, like saying. So uh, that's really hard to come up with something that's cute. Like you can say satchel's pizza, you can say line and salvage, but when you can come up with these things like uh, Satch what I'm talking about, Satch your mouth, Satch happens, uh, these things really help. And so those are hard to come up with. And uh, I'm always asking employees and, and customers. And I had one customer that came up with one. Usually they people tell me all the time, how about this one? And I'm like, no. Nah. How about this one? No, nah, I don't think so. And so uh, the customer came up with one, which was, if lost, return to satchels. And we used that one. Um, And then my father-in-law, he came up with three in one week. Blew me away. He came up with satch, um, satch happens, satch what I'm talking about, and satch your mouth in the same week. (laughs) And I was just like, dude, like, I can't, I'm like, like, one of the most popular ones was, um, sorry, I'm late. Uh, I was at Satchel's because early on, you know, you, when you go there, you'd wait for a really long time for a table and, and, you know, you'd be stuck there for three hours. And so that we've printed a few times and people ask for it a lot. But, uh, but, but my father-in-law coming up with those three on the same week was just, it really blew my mind because I haven't come up with anything better since, before or since, you know. Yeah. So if you got any ideas, I'd love to. Yeah, no, don't even get me started, man. I'll just, we'll spend the next 30 minutes Thinking of bumper stickers. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you even said, you know, uh, there used to be times where you were on like a three-hour wait. And every time I think about the times that I go over there and where 
there's a lot of restaurants I'd go to and be bothered that I was on a wait. I was never bothered that I was on a wait there. And I think it's because of the atmosphere. There's so much to look at and so much to do. And, right. and then the kids had the little playground area. Yeah. Do you still have that? Because I know you we have two playgrounds. And and yeah, I mean, you. I want people to have stuff to do. Yeah. I mean, if you if you if your wait's 45 minutes and you can walk around and shop and listen to music and see the greenhouse, then you know, 45 minutes goes by, you've had a beer and you're ready to go. And so that's part of the experience, right. you know, and we have customers that come in and they don't get on the waiting list. They go, they know it, they can tell it's, you know, probably 15, 20 minutes. So they go have a beer, then get on the waiting list because they want to prolong that, that pre meal, uh, experience. And, uh, and that's what, you know, and, and in 2008, things had gotten really out of hand. We didn't have, we had couple ovens we had a real small kitchen and we didn't have a lot of tables and we had we would get to an hour and a half wait but things have changed a lot in the last uh 10 years and now we don't really usually get to waits over an hour yeah it's usually less than an hour even in the busiest times um, and because you can eat in the back, uh, sometimes those people will say oh it's an hour wait they'll go to the back and they'll decide to eat back there and they don't they don't end up they're still eating with you know within an hour. So yeah, it's, it's funny not. that you had said something about like the top and like their lighting and stuff because they're they're very much. I, I go to the top and when I go, like I expect an hour and a half wait sometimes. You know, yeah. but it's like for me it is. It's very much part of the experience. It's like I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the bar with my wife. We're gonna hang out for an hour, yeah. hour and a half, and then we'll sit down and and then eat. You know it's what part I mean? Of the and, deal. and I love I love that that's part of the experience. Honestly, like it's yeah. just it's it's cool. Where did you get the plane from? <laughs> <laughs> Have you been there, Meg? See, so not. this is why I wanted her on the podcast because I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm like, this is something that you're gonna have to check off your list before you list before you leave. Oh, because she's leaving soon. Yeah, she's leaving yeah. soon, and like, and and you know, I mean, not not like, I'm not gonna beat up on Meg or anything, but <laughs> good, but, <laughs> but like. <laughs> The students at the University of Florida. It, this is one of the things that I'm really trying to accomplish with this is with this podcast. In a lot of ways, is really connecting these students to the business community that we have here because a lot of them do. And I'm not saying this is you, Meg, but uh, like there's a lot of them that do very much live in that UF right. bubble, and they don't they don't go to 23rd, and you know. Well, sometimes they don't have a car, or it's harder to get out there. You got to get there's a ride. There's scooters with everywhere. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, scooters. <laughs> was always the car until I got a car. Yeah. So now I can. So now you can. But it is funny to go. Uh, graduation's our busiest week of the year, the spring graduation, mm -hmm. which is going to come up in, uh, don't tell me. I'm going to say the l last week in May, uh, first week in May. Yeah. yeah, first weekend. Yeah, first week in May. May 4th, 5th. And it's our busiest. It's our busiest time. The whole week is crazy, and so it's always so funny to see these these students, and they're graduating, and it's their first time. Yeah. And you're like, "This is your first time, and you're graduate. Are you leaving?" And they're like, "Yeah." And you're like, "Wow," because then you get the freshmen, and they and it's their first time, and they're with their parents, and they've found us online. And you're like, "They got four years of doing this, you know." And the ones leaving, it's like, "All right, well, you got to come," but I feel bad that you didn't get to come more, you yeah. know. But that wasn't the question. The question was uh, you get the airplane. From? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I do that a lot. By the way, I like the the the, the plane's funny because there's uh, I I don't know if you ever been to Itchtony. <laughs> no, of course you have. Yeah, of course. All right, so you drive out through High Springs Spring to Itchtony, and uh, there's this there's this lot on the left in High Springs, 
and somebody puts random cars and stuff for sale there. And so I'll never forget one time when I go by, it must have been 15 years ago, and there's this Supra. I mean, the old 70s Toyota Supra, such a cool car. And it's it's sitting by itself in this old, you know lot with the grass growing up around it, and it has a for sale sign in it. And this Supra was like looked like it'd been through a fire. It was smashed on the front. The windows are broken out. It's got flat tires. And you're looking at this like, who's going to buy this Supra? It looks like it should be in a trash heap, you know? And so I stopped and took a picture. I have somewhere of this Supra because I just thought this is so great. Well, 10 years later, 15 years later, on that same lot is this airplane. And my kids, it's me and my kids going to the Springs and they're like, oh, an airplane, let's check it out. So let's pull over. And they run all through it up and down the wings. They're like, let's get it, let's get it. I'm like, I don't have anywhere to put this. Put it at the restaurant. So I was like, and then, well, okay, sounds good. And so we get home, and I think, I wonder if I could put it at the restaurant. The kids sure liked it. So I go back out there with a tape measure, and it's, I don't know, 40-foot wingspan or something. So I go back to the restaurant, and I start going around trying to figure out, where can I put this airplane? Where can I put this airplane? I really don't have any room to put this airplane. So I kind of just kind of gave up. And then it was the uh, bartender in the back who's still there, Danny, and he goes, Hey, why don't you put that plane up on, you know, up above those picnic tables back there? And it was just like light going off because <laughs> I had wanted some canopies. Like when you're sitting at picnic tables and you got nothing above you, it's one thing. But once you put some canopies up or something, it has a different feel. And I wanted some kind of cover over the picnic tables. Yeah, so why not an airplane? Airplane was perfect. So I call, I call my. Uh, it was seven hundred and fifty bucks for this plane, is what he wanted for it. So I call my uh, welder friend Butch. I say, Butch, man, there's this airplane. I want to put it up like you know, 12 feet in the air. He goes, no problem. <laughs> I love I say, Butch. <laughs> and I say, yeah, but like what I'm saying is like I'm, I'm, if I get the plane here and I want to get it up, it's no problem. You know, like he's a man of very few words. <laughs> like God, I can it. do this. I got it. Whatever. That's awesome. So uh, the next call was to uh, my friends over at Concrete Precast who have a crane and they have a lot of concrete. And they're like, sure, we'll help you any way we can. And so uh, that's how the plane came to be. I mean, it got um, it got thousands and thousands of pounds of concrete in the ground on these you know steel beams that come up. And I mean, the amazing thing was it, it went up in uh, I don't know maybe five minutes. Like the plane was on the ground, the crane puts it up. <laughs> I was it, expecting like a week, <laughs> like a month. Well, we had put the steel beams in concrete previously, so we had two steel beams coming out of concrete. And then the crane comes over, they lift up the plane, so they set it in place, the guys get up there and they put some bolts in and they weld it, and then they're gone, everybody's gone, and I'm stuck with this plane, and they're like, wow, that was easy. <laughs> like, in, in, our old, in our old Lightning Salvage, we had this little train that went around above your head, it was like a little Lionel train, and it went around. I mean, we must have spent 30 hours a week on that stupid train to keep it running. And you would think, just give up on the train, but when you had the train running, the little kids would just be like, yeah. running around following the train with their mouth open and you've never seen a kid so happy in your life you're like we gotta keep the train running and then you put a plane up and you're like I could do that in five minutes like I should do that all the time yeah <laughs> so much Dude, easier it's, it's, it's so time. cool <laughs> casual <laughs> it's so cool well you're now you're gonna have to go I would love to my dad is actually coming into town um, this afternoon and we were gonna get dinner so I was like you uh, know maybe I should maybe I should go to Satchel's <laughs> maybe today's the day yeah. Yeah. today is the day my well, dad would love it I mean he's really into that type of well do you have stuff. any questions um 
Yeah. Um, is there like a specific, like besides the airplane, um, is there a specific piece that you are really proud of that you've made yourself that's on display or has previously been? So we had this, uh, we have a screen port, we have a porch on the, on the side of the restaurant. It's not a screen porch, but when we first opened, we had the, it had the overhang, we had the bottom and it was just an open porch and I put some plastic picnic tables. And then over time we're like, let's make this a little nicer. We'll build in some benches. We made it a screen porch, keep off the bugs, you know? And I said, you gotta have that screen porch in Florida because it's just a Florida thing, you know, nice screen porch. (laughs) And then people would say, you should close down. I'm like, no, no, a screen porch. And then it hit me like, I could make stained glass windows for this porch and then we could air condition it. And we would get the best of both worlds. You have the beauty of the stained glass and the air conditioning. And so I had to make a plan to try to do it because I wanted to be able to finish it, like start in the fall and finish it by the summer and it'd be air conditioned and closed in. And so my plan was to try to do it in a year. And there's probably 50 stained glass windows. It's a big space. And so it took a year and a half. And so what I did was I started the stained glass, and then when the, when the summer came, we had the air conditioner installed, and I would have to staple up plastic over some of them to keep the air in mm. until I you know, finished. But it, it did take me uh, a year and a half to do that project, and I, had, I was planning for a year. And this is like, this is working on stained glass sometimes 40 hours a week, you know? This is like working like a lot on it. So, but I, I, it's my favorite place to eat because it's, it's just, you, you get a separate booth and it's, the glass is so pretty. Stained glass is pretty. You don't mm-hmm. even, no matter what you do, you could put 10 different colors together, any shapes, and it's gonna be beautiful because it's just beautiful. What, what keeps you up at night? I feel like I'm trying, you know, I'm thinking about my own life with like laying, because I lay in bed and I'm thinking, you know, all the business stuff. Like, are you thinking about all the art stuff, like what you can do next? Or Uh, or, or are you, is it a balance? Is it the art and the business stuff? Like, what mm, keeps you up at night? I got to know. Well, I do tend to think a lot more about art projects I want to do than the business side of it. The business side will bother me. I mean, when I have an employee that's not happy or an employee that's not working out, that bothers me a lot. Um, I want these relationships, like it's, you know, you can run your business, like you have a team and you're here and you're with us and you're in this for the team. Or you can have a business that's like a family and you're part of this family, which you don't really, you know, you're, you're more nurturing and you're not as easy to fire because you're part of a family. And I think at Satchel's, we're kind of a hybrid between the two. We have to be a team. You have to be able to make it work or we have to find another spot for you or try to figure out where you're going to be or you have to go. Or you have to, uh, but if, you, if it's all family and you, we can never let you go and there's never a scenario where we've done anything wrong, then that's not good for the business either. So you have these scenarios where you get to know employees and things happen, you know, and, and, and they leave or, you know, they get upset about they're disgruntled or it's, they, they want to stay and you don't want them to stay. And there's, there's situations that come up and those things bother me a lot because I, um, you know, I don't, I, I don't know how to put it. It's like, I, I care about these people and they don't always know it because I'm a busy guy. I don't always, but I do want 
I mean, I want people to like me, <laughs> but I also want the, you know, I want them to represent the business well. And I, it's not always easy, you know, like there's their side of a story or my side of a story. I mean, we've in 16 years, we've had a lot of different issues with employees. So the employees thing is which would keep me up the most, would trouble me the most. But I do. Well, if it makes you feel better, you're not alone. Like, I think every <laughs> business owner goes through that. I mean, it's. There's it's it's challenging, especially as as you grow. You think I mean when you start, you're like, oh, I'm gonna have, you know, I'm gonna keep it at five team members, and now you're at fifty. Yeah, we, we in the <laughs> beginning, like, I mean, I knew everybody really well, and now they come and it's months before I really get to know them because I'm not hanging out after work and I'm not there sitting around having a beer after work, so I don't know them as well. But um, but I do spend a lot of time uh, excited about things I want to make. I mean, yeah. my list of things I want to make is usually you know, pretty, pretty long and, and, and projects I want to do. And so that kind of mm. keeps me up at night a little bit too, just the, the mania of that. Like, do you have like a list of things that you're just like, this is, I do, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I, I got a whiteboard like you have yeah. and I did that for a little bit and that was cool. And then I have a list on my phone that I go to sometimes, but a lot of times things just come up so often that you just like something news now at the top of the list all of a sudden, you know, just cause you we, get inspired. We just start, well, we just started reservations. Like we're going to do some reservations for 25 or more in a back area that we've created oh, under, under cool. the plane. Right. Oh, that's so cool. we have people all the time. Like we have a party of 25, especially for graduation. We have a party of 25. We want to come. Can you guarantee us a place? No. <clears throat> well, you've got 25 people. You don't, you know, you could be waiting a long time. It could be uncomfortable. So we created a space under the plane and, the other day I had, um, I, we had, we had done it for a party of 20. We made an exception. We said, we'll do this party of 20 back there and see how it goes. And, um, well, it was a really busy night and there were people everywhere. And then another party of 20 came in and my G GM was like, oh, you can just go back there under the plane. You guys can see. I'm like, uh, actually, no, they can't because I reserved that area. He was looking at me like, what? Uh, we have this new <laughs> reservation policy and I just put it on the website yesterday. And he's like, huh? Like, and I haven't shared with them like, hey, we're going to do this new thing and here's how it's going to work because I'm kind of making up as I go along. So I run back there and I find a box and I write on the box this area reserved and I stick it on a table and people are starting to sit down and I realized like I need to... Um, so what I so, and it was super windy. It's March. It's really windy. So I'm like, if I put anything on this table, it's going to blow off. So one of the things I love to make is cement sculptures. I call them, and they're little <laughs> bowls, and you spray PM in them, and you put in cement, and you stick a bunch of junk in there, like ladles and knives and plastic stuff. And then when you pop them out of the bowl, you've got like a little plant, a little cement sculpture. You put it like in with your plants. You know, it could be a doorstop. It could be whatever. And I've been making these for many years. I make them with kids, and they're super fun because with one bag of concrete, you can make about ten of these. And I was like, I'm going to make cement sculptures for these tables. And so I went home and I made little whiteboards and I stuck them in the cement. And I put some. I went to repurpose project and I got a bag of stuff. And I was so excited. And yesterday I got to make all these little cement sculptures. And on the whiteboard, which you can buy whiteboard and paint it on plastic, you know, yeah. I'm going to write reserved for the Jones party at 7 p.m. This table reserved. And I'll go back there and put one on each of the tables. And then when we tell them, when you get there, go under the plane. They go, like, I had been walking around looking for them, and they were already there. They weren't at the tables I wanted them at, you know? So then when they go back there and they see this sculpture on the table, they're like, oh, this is where our party is. And then other people who come up and they say, oh, it's reserved. I didn't know you could do reservations. And there's a little <laughs> sign painted that says, for reservations, look at our catering link on our website. These are the kind of things that are going to help grow our 
on-site catering business. Yeah. And there's this cool sculpture. I mean, one of the things I got at uh, Repurpose was like the little... Uh, They're right next door to you, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. The Joseph and Mary set, you know, for the nativity scene. Yeah, yeah. And so there's like, um, there's the wise men and they've got their gifts. And so in the cement, you know, there's this little panel of whiteboard and there's like the wise man there and then there's like you know a toothbrush and some shells and they're just beautiful (laughs) (laughs) they're just beautiful little objects you know and um that and then once they're on the table they they become like a centerpiece and they're also not going to blow off and they're also going to do other things so like all of a sudden that was at the top of my list like i have to make these reservation uh Sculptures. I want one yeah. for the podcast. Is that asking too much? <laughs> no, I have I'm gonna, a lot. I'm going to have like a shelf. We're going to be building a new studio. I'm going to have like a shelf. And I want like on the podcast shelf. I have a lot of them. Okay. I can give you a junky old one. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> a junky old one. <laughs> I feel special, man. <laughs> Maybe you can awesome. get one with a toothbrush in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm down for whatever. Um, I... I don't know if you want to talk about it, but I, I want to ask a little bit about the fires yeah. because, you know, it's entrepreneurship, perseverance, like like you didn't have one, but <laughs> two. Right. Two fires over, over the last, like, I mean, how many years? So the fires were five and a half years apart. Okay. And basically, I think the way to understand it is we had outgrown our space. And so we opened this um, this little kitchen that had been there since 1958 and it had been a restaurant since 1968 and uh one of our employees had been a journalist and so she went back and got the history of all the restaurants that had been which was very interesting so we have this long list of like you know 20 different restaurants over the years and none of those restaurants really made it and some of them made it for a couple years but a lot of them didn't so you have a space that's not being really well cared for a kitchen over many, many years. And when we moved in, there was no revamping the kitchen and moving in. I mean, I bought the place on a, on a Friday. I gave the guy, he wanted 15 grand. I, and then we settled on 10, but he wanted it in cash. So I had to give him, go in there with $10,000 cash to give it to this guy. And then the next Friday we opened. And so there wasn't a lot of time for me to do anything except put the equipment in and let's go and we'll do it as we go. And so we had a crumbling structure is basically what it was. So we had ended up having three ovens stacked on top of each other in our kitchen because two wasn't enough. So we had a third one. And behind the oven, you've got an inch of space and you've got your walls that are just crumbling from the heat over because that same space had been like a cooktop, like there they'd fried, you know, a, a stovetop it for many years. And so you've got this old, old infrastructure and the walls are crumbling and now you're pumping heat into these walls. And so the, the, the wood studs in the wall just started to smolder. And the uh, fire marshal, when he came to look at that fire, he said, I think that these um, wood studs had been smoldering for maybe three or four months. And so they're just turning black and black and then starting to get so hot that now they're smoking. And then you see the smoke and you're like, okay, everybody out. And they're looking for the fire and tear up the whole place. And then there really is no fire until they finally rip the roof off. And then it gets a little oxygen in the walls. And boom, you get a flame and it's gone. And when you look at the damage and everything's out, you've got this one foot wide by four foot high burn on the wall where it was just smoldering 
smoldering studs. And so that was really something that was just like we had been, you know, we, we had gotten too big for that restaurant. Had we run a little tiny operation where we had, you know, served a few people, that wouldn't happen. But when you get to like three ovens and you're cranking and they're cranking every day all the time and you're cranking out food like crazy, because every time you put a pizza in, it cools down and it has to reheat and cool down and reheat. I mean, it's just cranking. And so the same thing happened. So that was the first fire, and we closed for three and a half months. All 50 employees were out of work, and they all came back except one who moved. And then five years later, when I basically feel like I'm just recovering, this back building, which was just a little shack. I mean, it was falling apart of a shack, and we had turned it into this juke joint where we were, like, pumping people through. We had a tiny little soundboard and, you know, area where we could run the stage, and something in that sound booth had caught fire. And it would have been no problem if we were open because we have a fire extinguisher. You see a little smoke, you put it out, but we're not open. And so once something catches fire in that little space, the whole space goes up, especially when nobody's there because, you know, somebody has to wait till it's flames to see it. So those incidents were they're just so tough. I mean, the first one is just a shock. You know, you have this fire. You're totally shocked. You don't know what to do. You know you got to double down. You got to get back open. This is how you make money. And you, you, it took three and a half months to rebuild that kitchen. And I worked. I mean, I was working 18, 20 hour days completely. And I'm a little manic anyway, so I know how to do that stuff. And I kind of enjoy that rush. But and we're going to build something better in the end. I mean, you kind of have to remind yourself that now you can build whatever you want in this kitchen, which is fine. It's great. I mean, that's the bright side, right? It doesn't help. You know, it still makes it hard. And so you get back open and you feel like after basically it takes four or five years and you feel like you're recovering and I'm, I'm home on the couch and it was a Monday and um, I had been up there working on our Wi-Fi, putting in new Wi-Fi all day. And I had I got home about seven. And it was nine o'clock. I'm on the couch. And I get the call that my place is up in flames. Where you're like, oh my gosh, did I have the well, Wi-Fi up wrong? <laughs> well, yeah, of course. The first thing you think is, what did I do, right? But it's Wi-Fi, so it's not the Wi-Fi. Um, but he said, it's your back building. It was a guy who's coming home from, uh, from bowling. Mm. He said, it's the back building, flames through the roof. And so I just run out of the house and I jump in the car. I don't even tell my wife or anything. And I'm driving there and I'm just like, you know, it's inc- I'm incredulous. You're like, how? How could this be true? Like, you know it's true. The guy's not joking. You've got flames through your roof. But you're like, and you know it's a different building than the last time. Those are the <laughs> things I knew. But I just, like, how can this happen? Like, what did, like, did I do so, Like, what happened? And, you know, I knew that I hadn't done anything. All I'm doing is running Cat5 and, like, Wi-Fi, you know, things, you know. <laughs> so you were so thinking. I, I knew it wasn't anything oh, I had done. And I knew everything was off. And I knew that, you know, there was nothing we had left on or anything. But it was just one of those things where you're just like, I mean, and again, it hadn't rained in 92 days. It was, everything's totally dry. Yeah. We actually had our, our sound booth, our soundboard and everything in this tiny little plywood cabinet, you know, that's totally dry. And there was a fan in there. And I think the fan was on. It had dust all over it. And maybe the dust caught fire. And that's all it would take, you know. And so these are, these things are 
out of my control, really. And we basically, I look at it as like we had gotten too big. Our business was too busy for the kind of infrastructure we were using. It's like trying to take 500 people and stick them in a little shack and run a business and something's going to go wrong, you know. So that time we were closed for a year. It took six months to uh, plan uh, and permit the prop, the building, and it took six months to build it. And so uh, we're still not back. I mean, it's been a year and a few months. Uh, we've been open, and we're still not back to where we were before the fire. Our business isn't. Like, I thought you open back up, and you bounce right back, and you don't. And so <laughs> it's been... It's just been rough, man. It's and, been and why so not? rough. Like, why don't you? I, I mean, think, is it is it like there's not as many customers? Or I like, think what happens is people get into habits. So if you go to a restaurant, you know, people come all the time, and then it's it's burned down, it's closed, and so they don't come as much. Or they come, and there's not. We only have two bathrooms instead of four bathrooms, and it's like a pain in the butt, <laughs> and the wait's a lot longer, and you're all crowded around here because you don't have the space that lets you stretch out, and so it kind of makes the experience less. And we had this like it was basically a roadside attraction that attracted all these people, and the pizza was like a side hustle <laughs> to the to the main attraction with all this junk that we had and. And so there's so many things that go into that. It's not just, and, and, and then people come in all the time like, oh, I haven't been since you've redone it. Well, it's been like almost a year and a half. Like, where have you been? And then you see them all the time. Like, it's kind of getting into the habit. Like, this is a place I go. Oh, they're back open. People think we burned down and we're gone. I mean, there's a, so, I think there's so many factors that go into people changing their habits. And the town just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and new places open every day. I mean, we've got Celebration Point. We've got Archer Road. You know, there's so many restaurants. Restaurants like people want to go try the new the new cheesecake factory, which isn't here yet, or the right, new right, PF right. Chang's or whatever. And every time you choose to go to another restaurant, that's you know, you're not coming to my restaurant. And I don't mind. I mean I'm all for as many restaurants as we want to have, but and I do think we do see a trend that we are building the business back, but it does take this a lot more effort than I thought to build it back. And to be able to like make decisions when you are when you have a fire and how are we gonna come back from this and what are we gonna do about our employees and how are we gonna put the you know put the finances together to, to build this back and is this what we want to do? These are all just super hard decisions <laughs> to make. I could have probably opened two restaurants with what I did fixing up that one building and maybe that would have been a better decision. But I still had this vision for this one one property with all this stuff on it. And so I have to go, you know, it was a 10-year art project, and it's gone. And, I, and, and, that, and that's what art is. I mean, when I do a painting, I do a painting, and I, I finish it, and I put it away, or I get rid of it. And I'm, I don't, you know, I'll hang it up at the end of the year and look at it, and then I sell it or give it away or put it in a closet or... I don't always see it again. So that's part of what art is, is renewal. I mean, you, you know, you make something and then it's gone, you start over. So I have to come to terms with the fact that all that's gone and now I have a new canvas to work on. And, and, but it's, it's, it's just hard on the soul, man. It's just hard to work so hard and then have it all be gone so quickly. Uh, I don't even know what to say. But yeah. I, I, I do think that there's, you know, there's a perception people have either, you know, the fires or they were unsafe or there's this perception or that we're doing things that are unsafe. And I don't think any of that's true. And so only thing that we can do to combat that is to do what we've done, which is build a really beautiful brand new building out of concrete. I mean, this is like it looks like Miami in the 50s, poured, poured concrete and very nice building. And then to um, 
And then time, just putting time in front of us where people, that becomes something that's further in the past, you know, because right now, being that it was uh, the end of 2016, it's still sort of fresh, you know, and I certainly haven't gotten over it. I mean, there's, before the first fire, I was like thinking, maybe I could open a little place in St. Augustine, and I actually put a bid in on a a place, and the bid fell through, and then the fire happened. I was like, well, I'm glad that that fell through. And then again, before the second fire, I'm starting to think, you know, I want to do a little food truck. I want to do a little, I have a bunch of projects I want to do, and the fire happens, and I'm going to be, you know, pushed back for another several years you know i can't jump back into things like you know i got a a bunch of businesses i'd like to start but i you know i'm not i'm i also want to have a quality of life so that's the main thing that i i can make art you know get that entrepreneur at heart man being able to persevere through those challenges and well you know that's the thing about entrepreneurship is i don't think i i really think it's hard to teach you know, if if you're gonna if you're gonna be an artist, you either have what it takes or it, or you don't. You either can say, well, I don't care that I'm not going to make money, or I don't care that I'm 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 gonna I want to make art because I'm driven to make art. I've got to make art. I, you know, it's not a good career choice. Try to make a living at it. it's going to be hard. Um, I've got it. In order to be good, I've got to do it over and over and over and get really good at it. Art does. You know, you got to have a little talent, but you also have to just do it. I mean, that's how you become a good artist. And so I'm making tiles. I started making tiles a couple years ago. I'm not even good at making tiles yet. I've made thousands and thousands and thousands of tiles. I'm getting better. But it's, you know, there's this 10,000 rule they talk about where you do something for 10,000 hours to get good at it. I'm not that great at stained glass. I still wonder, why do my solder lines look like crap? You know, I haven't reached the 10,000 hours. But so the entrepreneurship's the same way. Like you, if you have what it takes, then you're going to work around the clock. You're going to you know, 24, you don't care. You're not looking at the clock. You're not thinking about the clock. You're not thinking about what is possible and what's not possible. You just do it. And, uh, are people born with it though? I think, I think you're either born with it or you're not. I mean, that's my problem when they want me to go talk at entrepreneur school and things of that nature. Great. I'll go talk to you and we can talk about it all day, but you either have what it takes to be an entrepreneur or you don't. And I can tell you that you've got to sell your soul to the devil and you've got to work 24 <laughs> seven and you've got to put so much into it. That doesn't mean anything unless you're willing to do that. And so, like, I do that, but it's not because I learned it in school. It's because naturally I want to be an artist, and I know in order to be an artist, I have to go make this business work to buy myself some time. Because to be an artist, I need time. And so I have to make this business work, and I'll do whatever it takes because that's how bad I want this. You have to want something really bad, and you have to be, and I think you have to be born with it. You may not, you may be able to learn. There's certainly things you can learn. Right. So that's the thing. I, I think you have to be born with it, too. And I, I'm probably going to get pushed back on that throughout my entire entrepreneurial career. But, you know, I, even listening to like the 10,000 hour rule, like I could, I could, you know, do like t- invest 10,000 hours into basketball, right? And I could become a better basketball player. But I'm not going to be LeBron James, <laughs> Steve yeah. Curry, you know what I mean? Like there's people who are naturally talented that are born with it. And and I look at entrepreneurship the same way. Yeah. So that's just, you know, I can, I can invest 10,000 hours into a lot of things, but I'm still not going <laughs> to Well, and I'm you're going to be an ex like the, You're going to do what you what you what you what you want to do and like for me the the restaurant is so fun because the branding is fun. So making bumper stickers, making t-shirts, yeah. mugs. We sell so many mugs. I'll draw a mug with markers and we'll sell so many of these mugs. And 
I don't make near as much money when I do a painting. I can do a painting and sell it for $200, right? I can make a mug and I can make $500 off that mug in the next couple months because I sell it so many times. And I like making mugs, but the paintings I like doing better. Like, you know, but I but the but the branding is something that I enjoy about the restaurant being able to make all these all these the new thing I want to do is do some posters for the uh, Danny our our uh, booking guy he does all the posters now and I want to do a couple like hand drawn posters and um, and so that's a fun part it's an artistic part of my business being able to you know make like make art for the that brings people in and also just to be able to brand it and draw stuff all that's you know fun for me yeah that's cool yeah. man well this has been fun. I'm excited that you've been on here, man. Thanks for coming on the show. That's it. We're done. Uh, I mean, we're going to, uh, well, it's funny. You know, I was, I was reflecting back. <laughs> and yeah, we're going to wrap up in a minute. But I was reflecting back. Do you remember the first time our businesses interacted with each other? I don't. I don't. Okay. So I think you will after I tell you. I probably but, will. But we we were doing a, <laughs> and this is as I was getting getting prepared for the show. I'm like, man, where, when did I like first you know, meet, meet Satch and like really, you know, start that interaction between businesses and that kind of thing. And it was, there was a, I was doing a team meeting at our old place for new scooters for less. And I, we had called in to get Satchel's pizza and we were sending a team member over to pick it up. And she had come over and the order hadn't been prepared. Look at that. It Look at that. That's <laughs> it the only time it no, ever no, happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and the the response to that was what was incredible. You know, like because I'm one. Well, I'm pretty laid back. I'm easygoing. I'm like, oh, like no worries. And, you know, and Casey, who was the you know the team member who went over there, she she was like, okay, like well, you know, how long would it take until it's ready? You know, we're having a team meeting. We're pick these up. And and you and your team and how apologetic you were in that circumstances. Not not only to the point where, like, you one you know had gotten you get, got us the pizzas and a whole bunch of extras as you know as an apology for it happening, but you actually got on Facebook. I'll never forget it. You got on Facebook and you're like, I just want to tell you, I just want to tell Gainesville of this of this incredible company called New Scooters for Less. And, and you, exp- you explained, like foregoing, like explained the entire situation, explained everything that happened, and just said, you know, I wish there was more companies like this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna surprise them one day. I'm gonna do, like, and, and the way Gainesville responded was what was so impressive to me. It was like, it was like, oh my gosh, this is great. Like two, two amazing companies doing incredible things for the community. Right. Like you guys are both so awesome. I love hearing stories like this. And this, like I say semi-viral, right? Like it went Gainesville viral. It got shared and got, and just. And this was early on, I'm yeah, sure. Oh, this, oh yeah, yeah, this was years 15 ago. years ago. Yeah, ago. yeah, years ago. And, um, and you, and and then and then you lived up to that promise because you in that post you had said something you know I'm gonna I'm gonna surprise these guys one day um, when they least expect it and and then I don't know maybe like a couple years went by and actually what, what happened we were actually doing the ribbon ribbon cutting here we uh-huh. were doing a ribbon cutting we've been promoting promoting this ribbon cutting and you just showed up with all of these pizzas uh-huh. and just surprised us on our ribbon cutting 
and and I don't I, remember any of that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember any of that. But I mean, I mean it's, it's on Facebook somewhere. <laughs> it's on Facebook. There was a. I do remember the one time Taka Charlie had come over with a bunch of pizzas and we didn't have their order. That's the only time I remember that happening. And I was like, oh my god! And we got it together and got it over there before their event started. Yeah. But um, those things would happen sometimes. I mean, but the thing that's good chaos. about it is you can take a bad situation and you can completely flip oh, it. Of course, you know if you do it right, you can completely flip it to where it's something that's actually positive of course and for me like being a a a business owner like i was completely able to empathize with the situation yeah i mean we go through our chaos and and it's in august when all the kids come back for the scooter shop but uh but yeah anyway like the the response the customer service the customer experience like everything was just top notch and how you responded to it and and yeah and i like and it was that that you know just that impression and 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 seeing how you know two companies you know here in Gainesville um, you know work work in many ways to build up the community and, and then seeing the community get behind both of them was what what meant a lot to me so um, I don't know it was it was really really cool a really special moment but um, anyway I do I do want to bring up one more thing <laughs> look at you I know I could I, like I guys literally I could go forever um, and I'm hoping I'm hoping you don't make me cut it out <laughs> so I'll like is it the for, podcast yeah uh, did you listen I haven't yet okay but I wanted but you have in in a, a lot of them you finished 70, your 75th episode and there's actually like I think there's probably 78 because there's some half episodes okay <laughs> so you're like 78 episodes of your podcast called Satchcast right right well what happened was that uh long time ago Colin and this it, is like a very personal podcast yeah. this is why you've been kind of hesitant to even let right. know well, right well a long time ago I started listening to podcasts and I'm in my car a lot and I'm making art a lot and so for me to listen I don't like to I don't watch TV I don't watch Netflix I don't go really watch movies I'll go to movies with the kids now and then but I'm not like you won't find me in front of a screen very much at all and so what, but, but I like to listen to stuff. And so I can listen in the car and I can, so I listen to podcasts like all the time and I have so many that I listen to. And then at some point it just, I think naturally when you listen to so much, it leads to you being like, man, I want to try that. The thing that, the thing about a podcast is, is, is I wanted to make a podcast like I wanted to hear the kind of podcast that I want to hear is somebody's like audio journal like them talking about stories from their youth or like, I don't need the beginning, middle and end. I don't need the hype in the beginning. Hey, Colin Austin here with new scooters for less. That so, like that's that fine. So great. That stuff's fine. And there's, there's a ton of podcasts out there that do that. But, um, and that's kind of the, the that's kind of the recipe really is like, let's hyped up. Let's, let's do interviews. Let's whatever. And, but, but what I want to hear is I want to hear somebody talking about their cat dying or somebody, you know, saying like, this is what my day, my day looks like. I want that sort of personal story. And so that's what I wanted to try to make. And the problem is in this day and age, like, you know, a podcast or storytelling, there's a lot, there's the conch, there's the moth, there's the guts to glory. There's a lot of storytelling going on these days. And the storytelling is all about that craft. You've got a beginning, a middle and an end. You know, there's there. I don't even know all the stuff about it. I know that there's those elements and that they're also you have to make them short and sweet. 
And so I wanted to just throw all that out the window and be like, I don't care about all that. I just want to hear things that are real and honest. So I said, what I'm going to do, and this is like, I don't do this very often. I mean, I had done it with the stained glass. I'm going to challenge myself to do these stained glass windows. I said, I want to challenge myself to do a podcast a week for a year. That was how it started. I'm going to do a podcast a week for a year. Not for anybody, not to share, but just, just to figure out, put it together. And part of that was have a really, really good friend, Eddie, who I grew up with, who lives in China now, and I haven't seen him for 10 years because he's been in China. And he writes music. He's a drummer. He plays all these, he writes all kind of music, piano, guitar. So he would send me music. So I have all this original music that's really weird. He likes, he likes to think it's for TV and film, like background music, right? So I, the music's all really weird. So I have original music, and, I, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this once a week. And so for 52 weeks... I had a day that I think it was like Monday or something that I released my podcast. Like anybody cares or anybody's listening. But it didn't matter. The point was like these are going to come out week by week by week. And I'm going to talk about different stuff and put the music with them and learn how to edit them. Because me having to learn how to edit was the hardest part. Get on the computer because I don't really like learning (laughs) those sorts of computer things. And so I felt pretty good after a year. I said, you know, I did that. That was fun. And I kind of backed off of it. And... uh, and then every once in a while, I'd do it again and do another one and do another one. And recently, I've done a few, a few new ones recently. And then I thought, you know, I never told anybody about it. I never put it anywhere out there. But after it's been three years now, I feel like, all right, well, you know, there, you always have to be scared of the haters of people who are like, oh, this is so stupid. Or, is that what know. it is for you? It's being- well, it, well it, it's not even that so much as... You know, when I when I first put my paintings up on the wall, when I was like a, a young painter, and I would go hang my show, you feel like you've just put your whole soul out there. Mm-hmm. They're just abstract paintings. Nobody's looking at them like you're naked, but you feel like you're naked, right? And so that's this is a little bit more real than that because you're talking. It's your voice, and you're telling stories. So it's not an abstract painting. It's an actual. You know, it's your actual voice telling a story. So it's not really, I mean, there is a little bit of that. I mean, we have a lot, we have some of that just with Satchel's Pizza, just the brand. You know, there's people who, unfortunately, you know, there's people out there who are never going to like our brand for whatever reason. And, and so, but, but to tell these personal stories um, just feels so exposing. You know, I do think that there's a, a, subset of people out there who wouldn't would enjoy it you know would be like okay this is i like this it's intimate there's no ads you know it just starts and it stops it might start and you think it's going somewhere and then it ends you know i mean <laughs> that's that's the, the beauty end. of the format you know that it it's does okay. it, it it can kind of trail off sometimes and i'm trying to be experimental with it but in the beginning i thought i need to do these things they need to be about 20 to 30 minutes long you know and i had this what i was trying to do and now I realize, like, they can be three minutes long. They can be five minutes long. Like, I don't need to get so hung up on the length of them. So that's been real freeing to be like, short is better. A five-minute podcast is great. You know, I can tell a quick little story, and I can get it out real easily. And I'm not sitting there all week working on a 20-minute 20 20 minute podcast and working the music in and editing my voice and everything else. So, Would you describe it very much as, like, a journal? It's an audio journal. Yeah, yeah it's an audio journal, basically. That's cool, man. I'm going to check it out. 
it's out there on and iTunes. Now thousands and, and thousands of other people are going. Well, through. <laughs> right now when I when I look when I I can look at the stats on SoundCloud and I can see you know different countries and different people listening and and uh, I, I think people just stumble across it here and there. But generally, I do. Uh, when I put out a podcast, I get about 20, 20 listens within the first month. That's about, and then it stays there about twenty. <laughs> Sometimes I get a thirty. Some of them have some of them have seventy five. So, well, I would say keep doing it and don't be afraid to let people know, man. I think it's, you know, I, I know it's different, and I know, you know, I think there is a lot of people worried about what other people say. I think it's why I, I've talked about it on the podcast before. I think it, I think a lot of people. Um, I think it's natural for people to feel like they're going to be judged about something or, you know, worried about what, what people will say or think. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm all for that. Cause in a way, like, I believe that that is a different type of art. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and you're right. Like it is, there is a vulnerability to it and, um, uh, you're putting yourself cool. out there, you, are. you, you know, are. and the more you put so. it yourself out there, the more chances you have to be knocked back a notch or two. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's what life's about. Yeah, absolutely. Meg, any last questions before we wrap this baby up? Um, I actually have one. It's okay. a pizza question. Pizza. I love pizza questions. <laughs> if you could only have one type, one type of pizza for the rest of your life. Oh my what God, it would be a cheese pizza for sure, just cheese. I mean, I love toppings and I try different ones all the time, but uh, the, the, the slices that, that go to the sublime or is that cheese slice that you mm-hmm. get that's just perfectly crispy and sauced and cheese just right mm-hmm. and you pick it up and uh, it, can be, it can be just like the best slice, like probably the you know, top 10 slices I've ever had have all been cheese slices because that's just the whole combination of the cheese, the sauce, and the crust is and the herbs, you know? Like, there's so many good toppings out there, and I usually put a ton of toppings on, on calzones or pizzas, but every once in a while, I just gotta have that cheese pizza. So if I had to live with one pizza, it would be terrible, but it would be cheese pizza. <laughs> Do you eat pizza every day? You know, I, I there's been times when I had pizza sometimes twice a day uh, <laughs> for long, long stretches. But um, I'm really trying to n- not do that. And not to like, because I'm, you know, I'm past fat, so I'm not worried about that. <laughs> but mostly because I yeah. am starting to get a little bit weary of pizza every day. So I, I now try to eat pizza like three times a week. And that seems to be, and, and sometimes it's four times a week or five times a week. But uh, I love pizza. That's by far my favorite food, by far. <laughs> I just went to the beach recently, and I was there for a couple of days, and I got two frozen pizzas and tried them out. And I just eat pizza as much as I can in different places. I love pizza all the time. That's cool. All kinds of pizza. Well, man, thanks again for coming on our podcast. Yeah, welcome. We appreciate it. Thank you for being such a staple in the Gainesville community and everything that you do for this community <laughs> and, and for... I, being one of those iconic brands in the community, I know I know you don't necessarily like. I know you humble yourself, but like it, it it is cool. It's cool for me. It's inspiring for for me to like to see somebody have that kind of influence and and be a place that people gravitate to. And and I'm sorry about the fires, but like I love to see you persevere through stuff like that. And have you seen our new space in the back? Since I haven't we seen ever, it. No. Yeah, see one of go. those people. Well, I'm gonna have to there. like place a reservation now. Now that I know I can do that, take the whole team. Twenty five yeah, people. Twenty five. Yeah, that's about how many between both teams. We have about twenty five people with eighteen on one team. Yeah, that's about twenty five people. We're gonna reserve the back. There Let's make go. it happen. 
<laughs> so awesome thanks again man Gainesville World everybody thank you so much for listening this is the WHOA GNV <laughs> podcast Colin the podcast <laughs> bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go whoa and I am Colin Austin yeah I'm gonna this is Colin Austin <laughs> this is Colin Austin signing out signing off <laughs> we will see you later bye <laughs> yeah.